Welcome to the Aspiring High Performers podcast, the show where we embrace both the challenges and the beauty of our high performance journeys and aspirations. I am your host, Sanna Koyanen, a former professional athlete from Finland who is now guiding others to excel through mental performance coaching and breathwork in Denver, Colorado. And together, we are on a mission to achieve greatness without compromising our well-being or happiness anymore. So join me as we connect with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals from the worlds of sports and high performance. We will uncover the stories, tools, and insights needed to craft and improve our own high performance lifestyles. So get ready, because this journey promises to be both enlightening and enjoyable. Hello, moi in Finnish, and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, we're excited to welcome Billy Allen, a multifaceted talent in the world of beach volleyball. And not only is Billy a professional volleyball player or beach volleyball player, but he's also recently been appointed as a coach at Stanford University, a name that many will recognize. So Billy is a new assistant coach in their beach volleyball program. So I thought it would be a perfect time to bring this Instagram live recording to the podcast for you to listen. Billy's impressive resume is a testament to his skills both on and off the court. My personal first touch with Billy was when I discovered his um, insightful podcast called Coach Your Brains Out, a resource that was a gold mine for me during my own professional volleyball days. And so for those interested, the podcast is now part of Gold Medal Squared, and I highly recommend giving it a listen. But moreover, Billy ventured also into authorship with a book that resonates with athletes and, frankly, just anyone interested in the mindset of high performance. And unlike other books in that genre that can sometimes feel so scripted, at least the books that I read when I was a volleyball coach, Billy's work stands out with better storytelling without forgetting the practical approach. So I personally loved it better than many others in that field. And for those interested in the book, you'll find a link to his book in the show notes. And in our conversation today, we dive into the personal journey behind Billy's professional success. We explore his perspectives on confidence, resilience, and living a value-based life alongside discussing the highs and lows that have shaped his career. So this episode is great for anyone wanting to create their own high-performance lifestyle and what kinds of commitments we might need to achieve it. Get ready for an episode that is as down-to-earth and relatable as our guest himself. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, awesome. But um, let's jump right into it. So... Would you introduce yourself? How would you describe yourself to people who might not know who you are? Yeah, uh, my name is Billy Allen. Um, I'm currently a professional beach volleyball player. Um, I grew up playing volleyball my whole life. Uh, I played indoor at Cal State Northridge College outside of Los Angeles. And I've been playing on the pro beach circuit for AVP ever since. Um, I played a couple years on the national team. And I also... Uh, coach, write books, and podcast. Yeah, awesome. That's a lot of things. Um, so let's start from just like, how did you get into volleyball? Yes. For instance, played uh, a lot of different sports. She played like basketball mm-hmm. and volleyball in college, and she grew up playing multiple sports. I was kind of all volleyball. 
Um, so growing up, my parents played and we played every weekend with them. They started a club team for us because we were in a small town. Um, so they kind of helped organize boys volleyball there. And then I uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do after high school. Uh, I loved volleyball, but I didn't know if it was realistic that I would go on to play in college. Um, mm-hmm. But I ended up being able to do that. And same thing with, with the beach. Uh, I always played throughout my college career during the summers. We would play mm-hmm. tournaments. And then my senior year, I qualified uh, for my first AVP tournament, which is our, our pro tour. Um, and even then, even after playing a few pro events, I didn't know I would like be able to make it a career, be playing as long as I have been. Uh, yeah. But I kind of kept at it. Things have worked out slowly. Yeah. So where was that doubt coming from that you were not sure if that would be your life? That Was it a sign that you didn't know like, if you want to be a pre-affordable professional? Or what was that? your mind yeah i think at first um it just seemed unrealistic like um playing professional sports was something other people did um, mm-hmm. and i think in college also i was uh, never like an all-american i was uh, like a, a good player but kind of utility player where i would get moved around different positions i was mostly a setter but um like kind of whatever they needed me so i was never like an all-star there so I'd college, I'd see players that were a lot better than me and be like, oh, maybe those top, top people will go on to play. Um, and it'll just be kind of a hobby for me, even though I loved it and I had success. Um, but what's great about the beach is it's a lot more um, independent. So there's not a really mm-hmm. a coach in you. Um, and you have to be good at all the skills. Um, so I was a setter indoor, but on the beach, I could, you know, kind of do everything. Um, but yeah, I think it was maybe uh, as far as the doubt. Um, because I never had a lot of success early on. I just thought it was not realistic. Um, yeah. 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 It sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I feel like I come from one very small town as well. So my parents actually were part of like starting the club in there. And then I never considered myself to be good enough to become pro, but things happened because I just kept at it and loved the sport. Um, so was that something that helped you as well? Like you just loved it so much and just wanted to practice or how did that pro life happen for you then after all? Yeah, for sure. It's a passion. As you probably know, there's not a ton of money in uh, mm-hmm. beach volleyball, but yeah. um, I, I just enjoyed doing that more than anything else. And so the passion was there and then everything else became how can I find a way to be able to do this? So I would coach club in the off seasons or, you know, try to make money here and there just to be able to afford this, this habit and to be able to train and spend as much time as I could on the beach. Um, and so I think without that, uh, yeah, there's no way to be successful. Cause I think if I was crunching the numbers, it wouldn't make much sense as a business venture to be spending yeah. all the time playing beach volleyball. Um, so you definitely need the, the passion um, to do that. And, um, yeah, and it's been rewarding for sure. Um, you know, again, haven't you know made tons of money, but I've lived a really cool lifestyle and got to you know push myself as far as I could in the sport, and I'm really happy I made that choice. Yeah. So, did you ever consider going professional indoor, or was it right away like you knew that it's gonna be beach? Yeah, uh, I I did. I know a lot of people like your, our senior year would go travel to Europe and kind of try to get picked up on teams. Um, I think the same reason, because I was never like the best one on my team, but I thought that was for other people. And um, I was definitely better at beach. And so, um, yeah, definitely with that route. What about you? Yeah. Indoor. Yeah. So I, did, I played indoor professionally. I'm from Finland. 
So that's where I played first and then never thought that I could, you know, make it to the pro level. But then things just started falling to, towards that direction. And one day I got a call from Germany, like, hey, I'm going to be coaching Germany. And I played against you. Would you want to join my team? And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And I had my school. I hadn't finished it yet, my master's degree. So then I just finished it like from Germany. And that's kind of like how I made it. Didn't think that I was good enough. I know I was okay, but not exactly like the best ones. And then, yeah, played five five years. And then I got very injured. Was it? And I live in Colorado and play beach volleyball here and there. Love the challenge. I love the challenge in beach volleyball. Like it's that's, and I'm also very short, so very short, but five four. So it's a different challenge for sure. Yeah. Well, it's cool. You took that seemed like it would have been a, a big risk at the time to, to go over to Germany and do that. So, so it's cool you did it. Yeah, it was. And it was definitely like one of those decisions that I don't know, like whenever that opportunity comes, and I think people will often like they will grasp it once it comes and it's it's still scary but at the same time it's like what I do think that people not necessarily always realize like they created that opportunity by the hard work and the passion and all of that so it didn't just like fall into the lap of those people who might get that chance to go pro but it's more like you just really worked for it even though I didn't know that that was going to be my path so if anybody would be now watching this and thinking like if they can ever become pro it it might happen just if you just keep working at it really hard and love the sport, then you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then how did you get to that best level that you have gotten to? Like, what do you think that path has been? Because I'm super interested about hearing also your story from the perspective of you weren't, you didn't think that you were the best one, uh. but now looking at your career, it's huge. It's awesome. So something must have happened. Like, was it? Like your belief in yourself was developing during those years or what kind of, you know, transition was like you went through mentally? Yeah, I would say it was a, a long, slow road. Mm -hmm. It just every, every year get a little better. And with beach volleyball, um, only one team wins the tournament. And so you're losing a lot more than you're winning. Um, yeah. but within that you have moments where you, you know, have really good matches and you you know, upset teams or beat teams. So, um, just if I looked at my path, if I, when you're in the thick of it, um, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs, right? You have a really good tournament and you have a really bad tournament. Um, you want to quit the game, you're really fired up. Um, but if I step back like at the end of the year and look like my rank was still improving. So even though it felt very volatile, um, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was trending upward and like feeling like I was improving. And so that was, kind of the fuel that made me want to keep doing it because I felt like I was growing and there was still room for growth. So even though I didn't have like, you know, great success and wasn't winning tournaments, I was like on the right path, I felt like. And yeah. um, that's kind of what kept me at it. And then over the years, as you get more experience, you get more comfortable, you know, being there. Um, so so if, to, for your listeners, like for beach volleyball, you know, it's a tournament you play in and maybe... At first, you're getting 17th, and then all of a sudden, you're getting ninth place finishes, and you keep improving. And the more you escalate, the more like I'm like, oh, I, I got a fifth. Like I deserve to be around here now. I can do this. And so it was like mm -hmm. low climb rather than this like, you know, one morning I woke up or it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But did you were you able to notice that yourself that 
my, you know, like the day growth curve was going upwards and the trend was upwards. So, or did you need other people to point that out for you in those moments? Um, yeah, I, th- I think both. I think if I didn't have the encouragement of coaches and uh, friends and stuff, I think uh, the self-doubts would have maybe been a little too loud. So it was very like, you know, for, I've worked with a lot of coaches and I definitely gravitate gravitate towards ones who are encouraging and they believe in you um and think you could do that but i definitely had had that a lot um and then i would just say like once i thought it was possible um i think what really like helped me get to that next level was just full commitment um Mm. a lot of us you know train on the side and kind of like try to squeeze um our passion in like volleyball into into our life like oh this is something i can do here and there and dip my toes in and I think once I was fully committed to traveling to every tournament, to getting a coach, um, to just, yeah, making it my life, I think that's when making kind of make some of those big jumps. Oh, absolutely. That, that is interesting. So what allowed you to make that commitment? Because I think that's where a lot of people struggle. I think some of some people would say that it's impossible for them to make that full commitment. And for some, I would say it's just more like a mental you know, that they are afraid to be fully committed because then, you know, like if you're fully committed in something, then you might really fail and then find out that you weren't enough. So it's super scary. So what allowed you to do that leap or like make that leap? Yeah, uh, just to speak on that, I I would agree. I think um, there's almost a defense mechanism when we say, oh, I I wasn't trying my hardest or like, oh, that other team was playing way more than me. So of course, (laughs) along. Um, where it's, you know, it's, it's a risk to be like, Hey, I put everything on the line. I played as hard as I could, and I still came up short. Uh, and that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could be scary and vulnerable. Um, but I think I didn't have a huge ego, so that wouldn't have, you know, I felt like I, if I gave it my all and I lost, I, I would be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I'm so good that nobody should be able to beat me. Um, and then as far as just the reality of it, uh, I, you know, I made the sacrifices to this is what I wanted to do. And I think I was in a good position where at the time, um, I wasn't married. I didn't have a kid. And so I could, I could put volleyball as like my priority or maybe, you know, depending on where people are in their life, maybe that's not realistic that they can do. Um, so I think that helped me make that, that full commitment, um, to do that. And yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, it is scary. But then if we like taking one piece of your story when you felt like you were not necessarily good enough or like as good as the other people were and now you're fully committed or is there any time in your life where you felt like there was this underdog mentality that was kind of like driving your behavior more than you maybe wanted to not looking back yeah i think um for me it, it was easier to like hunt big game and to play players that were better than me because um, mm-hmm. you you have that um, you know that feeling that oh there's nothing to lose, and so like um, for me the harder matches were the ones where once I had been established that I thought I I should win, um, those yeah. became the harder matches for me because I feel like yeah if you're playing a team that's ranked ahead of you that you should lose you can you can play freer and just kind of give it your all and like uh, I feel like when you're the favorite and supposed to win that's when I had more of my struggles um, where I feel after you play a match you just feel relief that you won rather than a sense of joy um yeah so i think that that definitely played a factor in it yeah 
Yeah. So how did you start navigating through those matches when you realized like this was something that might be a challenge? Yeah, I think I heard it from uh, Nadal, I guess, that you just frame every match. Uh, this is the toughest match of the year. Um, and so no matter who you're playing, you approach it the same way. You have your routine and um, you just basically control what you can control, which is your preparation and your effort level and, you know, your focus. Um, and then I think, you know, win or lose, like you just, you know, you did your job. And I think I could be happy and satisfied with that. Um just, yeah, and that, that comes with just experience. And again, I'd have like the big highs and lows um, in the middle of my career with winning and losing and my self-worth being tied to that. Mm-hmm. And I think once I just kind of then, hey, this is the job. I'm professional. Like, this is how I'm going to prepare and give it my all. Um, then I could be kind of surrender the result and be happy with it. Yeah, that was awesome. I wish a lot of people could do that. But what about your mindset when you realize like now i am a professional did it come with the pressure like okay now i should be doing better because i'm a pro sure yeah i mean i mean i think all those thoughts and feelings are natural and they come and there's there's you know it, it for me it's always changing so it wasn't like oh at this time in my career i thought this you know i'd have tournaments where i walk into the player tent and i'm like oh, this is fun. Like, I'm really grateful that I have this opportunity to be here and like mm-hmm. talking with all these people. Um, I, you know, I, I've earned this and I have, you know, an hour later, I maybe walk in and have this feeling after a loss, like, what am I doing here? I'm such a phony. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think those feelings for me always change. And I think the importance of just kind of knowing that and that all yeah. is just, yeah, a thought or a feeling or, you know, my self-worth isn't really tied to that. Um, and no matter what I'm feeling, whether I'm feeling on that given moment confident, like I deserve to be here, or I feel like I'm poster, either way, I'm just gonna like get to work. Yeah. How did you come to that conclusion? Uh, that that is huge. If we could like really think that way, but was there something that was like maybe in your daily routines that you were able to like actually think that way also when you felt that way? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's another thing. I feel like when we do these, like an interview, it's a lot easier to say, like, "Oh, this is how it how it is." But um, just like if like a coach tells you, like, "Oh, you should you should feel like this," um, but you know, it's not always the case. Um, I had the fortune during um, quarantine to work with uh, sports psychologists from USA Volleyball named Peter Haverl, and I think I made you know just like working with any coach. I think I learned a lot in that time, um, and that we've. We, I've heard pieces of this throughout my career, but just actually sitting down and doing the work with him on kind of the mental training and stuff really helped me reframe the reframe the difference between feelings and um, actions and just kind of like living out your values no matter what you're feeling. Um, so I think that was like a big lesson for me. Um, just kind of work on the mindfulness side and yeah, work with him. Yeah, huge, huge. And was there then some kind of like a period in your, like in this whole career that you have already had, what was the hardest part? Why would you say like, this is where I actually really struggled for a little bit longer time than just like having like occasional highs and lows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good question. I feel like it's all been hard. <laughs> um, I've been fortunate enough to have uh any major injuries and setbacks like that. Nice. Uh, though I, you know, I haven't had to deal with some of the stuff that I know a lot of 
a lot of players have with that. Um, I think for me, um, what would be the hardest thing? Um, so in beach volleyball, you have uh, two on two. So you have one other partner. And I feel like a lot of your outcome is really tied to your team. And so if I was fortunate enough to have a good partner and we were doing well and winning, I think things are great. I think that the tough time is when you you don't have that. Um, and during, in 2020, I actually moved from Southern California, which is where basically 90% of um, beach volleyball players live and train. And I'm actually living in Idaho now. It was kind of a family move. And so this has just been kind of a recent challenge for me as finding a way to train and still be my best uh, living outside of that beach volleyball environment and actually having a winter and stuff up here. Um, yeah. Um, so but I think I think for me, it's always been little small challenges like that, that you just adapt and find a way to, to still get the most out of it rather than there's like a big um, injury or something in my career. Yeah. And you just mentioned adapting. Is there something else that has helped you to overcome those struggles? Yeah, I think you, uh, um, for me, it's been getting really clear on your values and your identity and you can and you're just live in that every day. Um, mm -hmm. So I think uh, I, I heard the analogy like from um, somebody I worked with, they were saying like, like I, have a, I have a child and they're saying, hey, when he was young, and you know, you had to get up in the middle of the night to do diapers and you didn't want to, like, what'd you do? I was like, well, yeah, it still still changes diapers because I, you know, I'm I'm a dad. And the same thing with being a professional athlete. Like there's times where I don't want to go to the gym or you don't want to, you know, put the work in and it's too cold or windy or whatever. But hey, like I'm a professional athlete. So this is what this is the job and this is what I do. So I think being clear on that identity mm -hmm. helps you kind of make, you know decisions and stick with it even when you don't want to and then being clear on your values because you can live out those values no matter the situation um and for me some of my values were like you know perseverance and presence um and i think you know hey even if it's hard right now i can still be somebody that perseveres or is you know something like that so i think just identity and values and just really focusing on those even when uh times are tough help me yeah Awesome. So do you re revisit your values like daily, weekly? What does it look like for you so you can actually live like value-based life or aligned life? Yeah, um, for sure. I think I go back to it and they kind of like narrow. Um, I heard an analogy of like, um, so it's like a globe and sometimes it's different things come into focus as it shifts. So maybe my value, a value of... Um, let's say being a perseverance might be in the background at times when things are going well, but other times when it's really needed and you've had some, some struggles, like, Hey, that really is highlighted. Um, and so, you know, it shifts as far as what's maybe most important in a given time, depending on what you're going through in life. But, um, yeah, I think it's a constant battle of, um, kind of editing your values or coming, you know, clear on what you want to be at a given time and having, for me, having a, a small amount to focus on rather than like 15 cool buzzwords I want to try to live out. <laughs> yeah. Hard to do all that stuff at once. It is. And I think we get so easily distracted nowadays because we all scroll through Instagram and we maybe get like 60 cool ideas that we could like try to do right now. And then we just get so lost in that whole information flood. 
So I think it's very important. I love that example that you have your values that you go back to, and then that will help you to live the life that you want to live. And also like in sports, because I think sometimes in sports, it's kind of like, okay, jump higher and hit harder. Um, but if that's the whole, you know, purpose of sports, I don't think that that's necessarily enough for people to like keep at it when it gets super hard. So is there something else that you would say that you've learned about yourself that like through sport that has been like really awesome that you would like to share? Um, well, I guess what comes to mind when you mentioned kind of the jump higher, hit harder thing is that, yeah, on the surface, that's how I think of sport is like, and how I rethink of sports is like, oh, be really athletic and you know killer and thing and stuff and like a very physical thing um but there's a lot of like moments between those moments that are really important um mm -hmm. for instance uh being a good teammate i think adds a lot to your success and just your enjoyment of the sport and i think that's one of the values i've had with my teammates is like hey we're gonna like whether it's communication or connection um that's something we're gonna like prioritize and so during matches um, even if, you know, they make, my partner makes a mistake or I make a mistake. Um, we try to live out the value to like connect and, you know, in volleyball, there's a lot of high fives. But, yeah. Um, but you know, like still, uh, you know, supporting your teammate and stuff, stuff like that, even when times are tough, I think has gone a long way to success and being somebody that people want to play with. And I think that translates to the rest of my life as well. Right. Cause there's times in in relationships and stuff where things are hard and it can be easy to you know throw them under the bus uh, as you would a teammate that makes mistakes but you know living out the value of connection and and you know being a good teammate off the court uh they, you know trying to put yeah absolutely and then we also got a question from um jayman 808 does billy have any pre-game rituals he does before he starts a game would you like to share anything about that sure um all the basic ones uh, have these bands I use to warm up so that I can do it and kind of get warm in the shade. A lot of times beach volleyball is really hot, but I don't want to be in the mm -hmm. sun uh, a whole lot. But I do get my band to get going. But I actually don't have a lot of, uh, I'm not superstitious. I don't really have any rituals. I have found that uh, the, content, the context is always changing. Every tournament I go to is different. You have a different amount of uh, start times and warm up times, sometimes cold up, sometimes hot. Sometimes you're late getting there. Um, sometimes the food is different. And so I just really try to be adaptable and be able to change and play no matter what. Because I always thought that might be kind of a crutch to have to rely on certain things. And then all of a sudden it's not there. And it's like, oh, I can't play. I didn't get my, you know, five minutes to you know, do this. Um, and so I have my things that I, I try to do as far as like, you know, my warm up and stuff. But I really think it's important to be adaptable um, so that you can yeah make changes yeah i agree i i had a, like one argument uh with one of my coaches about this like how do how do we want to prepare for matches and like get to that flow state possibly and then like for me it was the same way like i yes there's some things that i want to do that i think will benefit me and how i will perform later but I don't want to be the person like who crumbles if those things don't happen in the same order at the same time. Mm -hmm. But like that I could approach it from like different perspectives, different mindsets that I have had. It doesn't matter if I had periods or, you know, if I didn't have my green smoothie or like all these things that I want to prove myself that I can still do it no matter what happened before. But it doesn't mean that I wouldn't value the routines and pregame things that I can, I can do before the match. 
but it was like I think at some point it was a trend to have like always the certain things almost like Rafael Nadal way that this is how you are preparing and that makes you a pro and then I feel like it's a little bit shifting but it's it's fun to hear also the different perspectives how people go about it because I think it's also individual like whatever fits you then do it and write with it for me it needed to be kind of like a flexible way so that I wouldn't be you know limiting myself into like these are the things that I need to be doing and if I don't do them holy cow now I'm gonna blow it <laughs> people like when I step onto the court yeah I think it's a good way to put it these things that are nice to have but uh, I can still perform them hey let's take a th- 60 second break from this episode because If you want to do better in your sport but find it challenging to block out the distractions, maybe handle the pressure, or stay focused on what truly matters, the present moment, not other people's opinions, or the previous rally, or what you're going to eat later tonight. If any of that sounded like you, I've got something for you. I want to give you an exclusive training session that I did this fall, and you'll be learning how to silence the external noise and laser focus on what's important you and your performance. So I will be diving into the techniques that will allow you to improve your mental focus and resiliency so you can be more consistent. Because isn't that the dream? If I could just perform at a better level more consistently? Well, improving your focus is such a big part of that. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Go grab the free training through the link in the show notes, or you can also go to the website bit.ly forward slash athlete focus. So it's bit.ly forward slash athlete focus. See you there. Yeah. What about your best times? Now I want to hear like all the good stuff. Whenever people felt like, okay, now I'm on the top of the world. What was that time and what allowed you to enjoy it? Yeah, I feel like all the enjoyment comes after the fact when I like look back on it. Um, yeah, I'm so so stressed or so uh, looking on to the next thing. Um, yeah, maybe and maybe I don't look at the the good stuff enough. Um, one of my best matches was um, my partner and I got into the world championships, and we were the the last American team that got in, and so we weren't expected to do very well. Um, and I think we were just very happy to be there, and not that happy as then we like. We're satisfied, but just um, we we soaked it in, and we're really grateful. We were in uh, Hamburg, Germany, and it was a uh, like the slowest volleyball tournament I've ever played. You play one match every other day. Well, uh, yeah. So they try to do like the Olympics, um, where it's spread out for like a week, um, and so it's good and bad. Bad is challenging, as in you have so much time to dwell and think about your next match that you're like uh, versus you know if it's just bang, bang, bang. And so mentally that could be draining, but we were just soaking it in. We did all the workouts we could do. We worked with our USA Volleyball, had our sports psychologist there. Um, we did all, we watched way more film on the teams we were going to play than normal. Uh, yeah, I felt like the most that I was like a professional athlete. And yeah. I think when it came to actually playing, we just embraced it where all these teams we're playing are the top of the, the world and we're excited to get to play them. And it was probably the freest I've ever felt as a player. Um, you know, there was still stress and, mm-hmm. you know, you want to win and all that stuff. But I think we just were in that mind state where it was like such a high elevation that we had reached that, 
Yeah. We couldn't lose. We were, yeah, that's kind of probably a highlight. And we, we did well, which obviously makes it better. Um, yeah. we, I think we knocked out the number two team in the world, the Brazilian team. Um, uh, but yeah, so a lot of it went into the preparation side and, um, yeah, just enjoying the battle. Yeah. Amazing. Cause I, I'm always interested to hear like, usually people say exactly like they made it to the world championships or something, but didn't even, couldn't enjoy it. Like they had this huge goal, but then when they're in it, they're just like, okay, now I'm here. What's next? Or like, this wasn't the fulfillment. So was there any of those feelings for you? Were you actually able to like really enjoy like, oh my God, I made it. All the things that I've done before are now paying off and I can enjoy this present moment. Yeah, we enjoyed it for sure. I think if we, if we were like felt the pressure that we need the medal here, um, and you know, that would have been a different story, but because mm -hmm. we were like the Ford USA team, we didn't have, maybe have that pressure. And so we were, were able to enjoy it more. Um, and we, you know, we prepared like we, we were like we prepared like we should be there to win get medal but um that was probably the most time that i felt like um yeah to be able to soak in and be present for it um and like i said if you for me probably the biggest challenge i've had is when i'm the favorite um then i feel like a lot of pressure to win and i'm like embarrassed oh, how could we be losing to these guys yeah um, and it's just a different mindset than when you go in as maybe the underdog so i think that's the uh, easier role to take on yeah and has that been anything that you wish that you have done, would have done differently in your career? Um, maybe committed sooner. I think, you know, for a few years, it was kind of get the toe in and, you know, not really know if this was realistic, where if I could go back and say, hey, like, you're gonna be playing this for the next 20 years, uh, and things are gonna work out okay, then maybe I would uh, not have been so stressed out and I could have committed it sooner and maybe yeah. do it more. Uh, but, you know, that's all part of it. Yeah. And what do you think was the reason that you didn't commit earlier? Um, I think risk aversion. I think it's uh, it's safer not to, to take those risks. Financially, for one, um, you know, I was you know, not making any money and having to travel across the country and the world to, to play volleyball. And you only make money if you do well. And so I think that was part of it. And like, hey, maybe I'm not good enough or you know, I'm going to lose money on this. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think just taking that risk. And then also, like, um, after a hard match, if I lose, at the, you know, especially early on, like, the question would be, like, why am I bothering you to do this? Like, this is this is way, this hurts way too much. Yeah. And I think we, natu we naturally want the safety of, you know, hey, it'd be nice to have a secure job where I'm not judged every second. Mm -hmm. And I could, you know, make a stable living. But, you know, I think it's a natural human uh, human trait, but... Uh, to, to throw that away and just try to risk things is, is a challenge. And um, yeah, that was part of it. Yeah, I agree. And I know there are a lot of aspiring pros that are also probably watching this. So how did you, and they're curious about this, how did you solve the financial part of it? Yeah, just, uh, I was frugal. I think basically there's three things you could do. You can either have money, you can uh, be really, really good where you make a lot of money, or you can kind of, yeah, be frugal and kind of cut your cough. And mm -hmm. since I wasn't, you know, making huge, huge money, um, I had to live with roommates. I had to, um, you know, drive a crappy car and <laughs> look, for, <laughs> look for ways to, to save money. Um, but it, it comes with your priority. So my priority was volleyball. And so that became, 
what I'd spent my my time and attention and money on. Um, and some other stuff got sacrificed because that's what I wanted to do. Um, and for sure, I don't look back and say, man, I wish I would have dri- driven a nicer car. Um, yeah. I can say like, oh, I'm really glad I got to travel and see the world compete. Um, so I think it was a, a good investment. Yeah, I agree. Time investment, talking about that. When did you then come up with the idea with about the podcast? That how I found you in the first place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like my volleyball career, we, we stumbled upon it and just kind of kept doing it and slowly got better. Um, so a couple of my, two of my friends, um, both volleyball players, uh, you know, we enjoyed podcasts and um, we were all coaching at the time. And so we were like, hey, we should, we should do one. And at first it was not like, hey, we're trying to make this real podcast. We'll just kind of talk, talk volleyball and record it um we met in one of my friend's garages and i had my iphone that we put down recorded and the audio was horrible <laughs> and we just kind of talked and i think it was way too long um but you know we just kept at it and i think a lot of people talk about doing things like talk about doing podcasts or making movies or writing books um but you know we actually we actually did it and it wasn't great at first and oh, it's still probably not great now but definitely wasn't great at first um but we just kind of kept doing it, kept improving. And I think the more you, you do something, the more you get better at it. Um, so it, it started with an uh, interest in podcasting, uh, interest in coaching. And we were lucky enough to have, like the volleyball world's pretty small. So we yeah. got access to a lot of really good guests and coaches that came on and, and made our show interesting. Yeah, it definitely did. I I loved, um, I guess at that point also when I was, when I found it, I was a professional athlete, so then I was just like looking for any podcast that I could listen. And then there was not a lot of volleyball related ones. So then finding that one was was really cool for me to hear also from people that I didn't know because I'm from Europe. So then I didn't know a lot of U.S. coaches, for example, just like the national team coaches and so on. So for me, it was like amazing, you know, source of information. So I just want to thank you for, you know, sharing all of that and like putting the time into doing it because it was awesome for me. To- find out learn more about the u.s way of thinking and doing things because a lot of the guests that you had were from u.s and then for european it was an interesting source to like just find out more even though you did have laura kagawa there too which is oh yeah uh, yeah it was who's from finland he was my national team assistant coach one year um so it's cool to have a little finnish color in there too <laughs> cool yeah what would, what would we say uh i guess the biggest differences are between uh, I guess the American volleyball and some of the stuff, uh, your background. Right. What do you think the biggest difference, like, did anything surprise you with how, I guess, Americans approach volleyball? I felt like I just agreed so much with what the U.S. coaches were saying. There was something about it that kind of resonated with me quite a bit. And like the less authoritarian way of coaching was also something that resonated a lot with me. Because I think that was something that I was struggling quite a bit that like, do I just need to be a person who doesn't ask questions and doesn't, you know, cannot get curious? Like, why am I, why are you teaching me doing, doing or changing my technique in this way? Like, I want to know why are we doing certain things? And I don't mean to be disrespectful necessarily. It's just for my own, you know, curiosity to know why are we doing certain things? And I feel like a lot of the U.S. coaches were also just kind of like more open to discussion with players and more open and the growth mindset was a big thing I think at some point that was also coming up a lot and I was like I love this stuff <laughs> like where yeah. can we find more of this in the Europe basketball 
and not saying like all my coaches would not have growth mindset but maybe some of them did not so i think it was kind of gave me hope too that hey this kind of wave is coming and it's maybe right now in the environment that i am is not the greatest but it doesn't mean that it should be like that forever yeah no i think uh that's definitely a trait we've seen with a lot of the top coaches is that um there's a certain level of humility and like hey we don't have all the answers to know everything and it's my way or the highway it's like we're gonna learn this together and as a coach i'm gonna make mistakes and we're gonna get better and figure it out together yeah another thing that was also big was uh, mental training was way more common in the u.s than it has been in europe and it, i think it still is but um it's so cool to see that it's arriving more and more also in volleyball in europe but USA is definitely still ahead of ahead of the curve. So that also gave me a lot of good, like just tips, like how can I control my mind in certain situations? And oh my God, these are actually like the top of the world in, in volleyball who are saying these things. So I knew like, I if I try them, I cannot go too far off, you know? And that I, like, if I try, I fail, whatever. But it's not something that would make me a failure, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think going back to your question, like um, we started the podcast and are still doing the podcast kind of selfishly because we want to learn from these people. Um, we have, you know, guests on when it's a topic we're interested in getting better at and it's cool that other people get stuff out of it too. Yeah, and there was another question or like can, can fans ask questions in the chat? Yes, you can ask questions. So if you want to ask questions, just drop them in the question box um, if anybody else has questions. Um, and then about the podcast, did you already know at that point that then you want to transfer into a writing a book at some point or was those two like separate projects that you were working on? Yeah, so I grew up um, being really into, I guess, the creative side and writing. I, I majored in creative writing in college and it's something I've always pursued as a hobby. Um, mm -hmm. I made a lot of uh, funny videos when I was outside of college and you know, always dabbled in writing. Um, the two didn't really converge at first. Um, I'd written uh, a book on my own. It was kind of a fiction thing. And then um, uh, we were on the podcast and we had like a, a big audience, you know, in the volleyball world. Um, and so we, I was like, hey, we should like combine all these lessons we've learned into a book. And uh, so we, yeah, we basically took a lot of the stuff from the podcast and made a book out of it. And then it, it did way better than my actual like fiction stuff because actually, you know, I have maybe some people that follow uh, the volleyball side of um, whatever. Um, we pick, you know, the fan base from the coach who brings out. Um, and then I, I wrote another book for fiction. And then John, my co host, was like, hey, you should like combine them. And so the latest book we, I, we did, it's a, it's a fiction book, um, but it's a fable with lessons for athletes and coaches. So it kind of combines like the, the the fun fiction side of what i was working on with like the coaching side um it makes a story that's hopefully like fun and enjoyable but with some lessons to take away so that's kind of what this like yeah it definitely is clever i'm reading it right now um how long did you take it to write that because i think it's a, it's interesting because it does have like the like the fiction part but it's not about volleyball. So it's not that easy for you to just like transfer those lessons right away into a fiction because it's not a volleyball story. So I just, I'm curious to find out more about that whole writing process. Yeah, so that was the, I didn't want to do just like a straight volleyball book. I wanted to be mm -hmm. like maybe a little more of interest to like all athletes. Um, 
and then uh which is funny because we did like uh i guess jousting which is uh even smaller than volleyball so i don't know <laughs> nobody really does that uh, but it took about six months to write and the hardest part was finding the balance between the story and the lesson um <laughs> i wanted to have enough enough story that you got invested in the character and were enjoying yourself and wanted to like care about what happened at the end but you know there's the the problem of if i have a couple chapters studying up the story then it's like if i'm not picking up this book i'm like why am i reading this you know this this book like you know fiction book i want to like you know get some lessons out of it so that was the hardest part is balancing getting into the all the concepts that we wanted to get across with uh for athletes coaches um but also balancing it with like making it a, a book that was like a whole story yeah, absolutely. I, I love how it exactly has been written like that. So I've also written a read a couple books that are like supposed to be fiction stories for athletes, but the storytelling is just really, I don't know, well, theft would be my word. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. kind of like, oh, painful to read when I want to actually read a story. So that why that's why I really enjoy your book because you were able to like combine the fiction in a way that like makes sense and it's a story. It's not just like, okay, the story is there just to try to teach you a lesson. But it has both in a, in a captive way. So good job. I, I really like what I'm reading right now. Thanks. Well, yeah, thanks. no, it is tough. I, maybe I've read some of the same stories you have. But yeah, it felt like uh, just like a framing device where it kind of just summed up this is the person I want to do this rather than like, yeah, a book that you kind of get immersed in. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I was shooting for. And it's, it's tough to do. So I'm glad yeah. uh, you liked it. Yeah, cool. So what about you in your, I, if we now have all of these different parts of your identity, like, okay, you're also a writer and you do expressive, like expressing yourself through writing. Then you have a podcast, so you're also talking. Then now you have a family and then you have sports. How did you like, did you know already, like when you were a pro athlete, that this is these are very important parts of your identity, or was that something you were learning on the way? Did you always write at the same time? You know, like the balance between who you are, in addition to an athlete, is something that I'm curious about. Yeah, when you when you lay it all like that, it sounds like I'm pretty busy. Um, <laughs> I don't feel that busy day to day. Um, no, yeah, I think uh, you know, I think you know, as athletes, like we all have a lot of different interests and it's really cool, you know, being on tour and being around players who are really into to painting or into, you know, cooking or into all kinds of different things. Not just defined by being somebody that bikes really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, like, yeah, I've always had an interest in, in writing and have creative projects I was working on. Um, they just always took a back seat. I think it's kind of like being a professional player where I didn't think it was realistic. Um, yeah. that I could go on to play professional volleyball. Like, there's no way I think it's realistic that I could, you know, write books that people would want to read or that kind of stuff. But with, um, you know, with technology for podcasting and for, for writing and stuff, it's, it's come a long way to make it easier for individuals to, to actually put out content. Um, and so it might've been impossible, you know, 20 years ago to like publish, you know, books on your own. But, uh, or, you know, record radio shows, I guess. Um, but I think I just, it's an interest that I, and I stuck with it and slowly got better. And I think just like the volleyball side, it's a passion. Uh, and I'm not doing it to like, hey, this is a financial decision that's going to make me rich. It's just like, I do what I want to do. And I'm like, spend time on it and get better. I think, uh, that's been kind of my road. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, it's always been a part, but now like it's becoming a bigger part. And, um, 
at first it was like all volleyball and then maybe like the creative side was just kind of in the background now it's shifting a little bit where it's uh yeah i'm getting drawn home pulled both ways i'm trying to find the time to do both yeah awesome and family yeah sometimes <laughs> but is there are you confident in all of those areas oh you something yeah but how, how how do you think about confidence where does your confidence come from yeah, I thought this is something I've thought a lot about. I think early in my career, uh, it was always like, man, how do I get more confident? I'll be really good once I get more confident. Uh, like it was something I could just, uh, like, or like buy at a store or something. <laughs> uh, I think of, now I think of confidence maybe two different ways. I think there's the short-term confidence that's kind of like surface level that is a feeling that comes and goes. Um, you know, if I, if I beat a team, I, my confidence is pretty high. I'm, oh, I'm pretty good. And if I, you know, I get blocked on a ball, my confidence is pretty low. It's a feeling that fluctuates and it's ever changing. Um, and kind of like a routine, uh, it's nice to have confidence when I go into a match, like it makes the match mm -hmm. easier. Um, but it's not essential. Like yeah. I've, you know, I've won matches when I wasn't confident. I didn't think I could. Um, um, and then I've lost matches when I was confident. I think we could beat this team. So for me, like on one end, confidence is just a feeling and it's kind of irrelevant. Um, I'm still going to do my job no matter what i mean it's nice to have but um i'm not gonna like strive to have it like tell myself i'm awesome or something um but but i do think there is a, another confidence which is more long term which is something you gain from you know experience and preparation and that's something that maybe isn't doesn't go away and fluctuate so much like the feeling it's like hey i can look back on and say hey like i've played this game a long time i've had success doing this i've prepared and trained really hard for this moment um, and maybe you can fall back on that kind of confidence that like, I have the right to be here and to compete and I have a shot. Um, and I think that's separate from my feeling that kind of comes and goes. Yeah. I, I love that separation between like, yeah, I see the separation can, can be a separation between those two. So, something that it, like made my life much easier at some point was also understanding, like, I don't need to feel 110% confident in order to perform well. Mm. Like. It's yes, exactly. Like it's nice to have, and it's awesome when you have it. But what do you do when you don't? And realizing, like, I don't need to just like you know break down to pieces and play like shit if if I don't feel confident. But I can still manage to be like, can I be in this moment? Can I pass this ball? Like just making it like so little actions as possible, so that there's no room for like for me to even think about like, what well, am I feeling confident in passing this ball? Because then I know like my mind has drifted off somewhere. But for me also like present moment brings a lot of confidence because there's no room for anything else than the thing that you're doing right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's teams that are that are very confident and that lose. So I mean and and sometimes it can be a little blinding when if you're oh for me, if you're overconfident, um, maybe you're overlooking some of the the areas you need to work on. If you think you're already amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, so where are you right now with Beach? Where are you going yeah, next? What are your dreams? This, this last weekend, um, we just finished up a tournament in Chicago, and that was <laughs> probably my last one for the year. Um, so I'll get a little off-season here. Um, I do office day in some shape because in November, I do these things called volleyball vacations where we go to Mexico and run camps and do exhibitions and clinics. Um, really cool thing, um, kind of combining playing and coaching um but basically i'm in the off season now so 
I'm going to work on some more writing. Oh, cool. And I'm looking forward to hear what the, the end results of those. And then I have two more questions. What do you think are the most common struggles that you see athletes having in, in the professional world? Um, hmm. uh, I could say maybe a lack of, not patience, because I think athletes should want to dominate right away and do mm -hmm. accept right away. Um, but I think in volleyball, I see a lot of really good players um, come out and if they don't have success right away, it's like, oh, this wasn't for me. And this, or this is too hard and kind of full. Where I mm -hmm. think, um, yeah, you got to take a long view and be like, this is something you want to do. Um, you're going to come in and you're going to, you know, have high expectations for yourself. Like, don't you know, sell for anything. But um, when you take your take your licks, um, I think that you should have some more grit and kind of keep keep at it because you know the things we do are hard and it's hard to have success right off the bat. Um, so I would say, yeah, stay with it. And then I would, um, on the, I guess from the coaching side, um, I see maybe there some practices can be a little more effective. So, mm -hmm. um, I think if you are training the way you're actually going to play and not just kind of have a lot of feel good reps, um, I think that's a, an area I could really see people get better at. Yeah. And what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, you know, in volleyball specifically, um, for instance, every play starts with the serve and we do a lot of reps. I see a lot of people do a lot of reps off with like easy free balls and be put in situations where everything comes pretty easy. Like we do this thing called almost every player does more called setting triangle where it's kind of just almost mindless reps of the coach tossing right to you and you're just kind of getting upset. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know, I think, uh, the practices I've seen like 30 minutes of, of warm up where you can kind of get into it a little faster, I think, and maybe maximize your time and get put in tough situations. Um, I think one thing I'm straining to do a lot is to, um, get out of autopilot and where you're actually getting pushed and having to learn and adapt and like be challenged. And I see a lot of practice being kind of on the autopilot zone, doing mm -hmm. skills you're kind of already good at in a, in a way that's not challenging enough but i think that's kind of like those feel good reps where i'm just kind of getting in rhythm rather than one that's challenging you and making you better yeah makes sense makes a lot of sense to me and then the last one uh what do you think athletes could focus more on in your opinion um i mean it's tough to say because everybody's different and have their own focuses mm -hmm. uh, uh because we're on instagram i think i see a lot of people posting really cool highlights <laughs> yeah and maybe the focus is on you know making a cool play here or there in volleyball like a bounce and i think um being consistent and just doing what you can to win is probably more important than uh making a cool play every once in a while oh my god i love that um that that kind of like relates to like i was thinking about this like before i started my business i basically was non-existent in social media because I never wanted to like post anything. But for me, some part of that was coming from like, yeah, extreme humility. Like I could never post anything where I'm doing anything well, because that would just make me look like I love myself, which is weird to me, even though it's, it's a good thing if I love myself. But that was one part of it. And the second reason was like, if I post now something that is good, then people expect me to be that good. And I, I'm afraid to fail that expectation of them. 
So for me, like social media and like any clips of myself playing don't exist. It's it's such a funny thing. Um, so, but I do agree that then whenever I see only the highlights and then seeing the real people playing the real volleyball game, it's it's a two different worlds. Two absolutely yeah. two different ones. Yeah. If maybe if I had more highlights, I would I would post more. Um, but uh, no, I think uh, yeah, I think it's just whatever you're you're asked about focus, and I think. Um, sometimes there can be a disparity between focusing on on winning and focusing on uh, doing cool things. Yeah, yeah, and focus on winning is probably the one that we actually should be focusing on a little bit more. But cool, thank you. That's all my questions so far. If there's anything else that you want to say or like anything that we didn't cover, please share it now. Well, you still have the rest of the five minutes until we hit an hour. No, uh, this is great. Thank you for having me. Um, feels weird to talk a lot because uh, I'm usually in <laughs> people on our podcast. But uh, no, appreciate it. Yeah, no, I love this. So thank you so much for actually finding the time and doing this. I was super excited to have this, and I'm sure so many people got a lot out of it, a lot out of this. And thank you also everybody who joined. If you do have any questions, I am always open to receiving them. What about you? Do you want people to contact you in DMs or? What's your, uh, where can people find you, for example? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Made it. Sounds cool. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Aspiring High Performers podcast. I hope you found today's conversation as inspiring as I did. And please remember that achieving more does not have to come at the expense of your well-being or happiness anymore. So before we part ways, I want to share two important things with you. One, if today's conversation resonated with you, if it reinforced that thought of what could be possible for you, then consider becoming part of the community. So please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, honestly, and it helps me continue bringing you valuable content. Secondly, as we venture forward on this journey, I invite you to join our exclusive WhatsApp group, absolutely free of charge. Here you'll find a community of like-minded individuals, all driven by similar dreams and desires, and we can make reaching that next level just a little bit easier when we are surrounded by support and shared aspirations. And lastly, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of today's episode. So until next time, stay driven and go master the day because you might just be closer to your goals than you think.